Bob, when you hear the music, when you hear the theme music, you know what time it is. Time for another episode of Law and Order. <laughs> that, that music has become so iconic. I was saying earlier in today's program, in case you weren't listening, uh, that uh, TV shows don't have the great theme songs that they used to, but there are still some that have broken through uh, in the last decade or so or two. Uh, and when you hear that theme, you know exactly what it is. Uh, we will talk with one of the stars uh, of Law and Order uh, in just a moment. Uh, in case you've just tuned in, some breaking news uh, from uh, an hour or so ago, I guess now. Uh, Mitch McConnell uh, will step down as the Senate Republican leader in November after a record run in the job. He is the longest serving Senate leader in history who, uh, who uh, has maintained his power. you got to give him credit. He's maintained his power. Through a lot of upheaval and convulsions in the GOP, uh, certainly the advent of one Donald Trump. I had a friend of mine who uh, texted me a little bit a little bit ago, which is kind of funny. Uh, the text reads, even Mitch McConnell, Tavis, doesn't want another run with Trump. Ba-dum-bum, I love it. Even Mitch McConnell doesn't want another run with Trump. I, I think my friend is right about that. Uh, so Mitch McConnell, who turned 82 last week, uh, announced today that he will be stepping down in November. Uh, and uh, again, ending his reign, some would call it a reign of terror, but ending his reign as Senate Republican leader, the longest uh, uh, serving Senate leader in the history of that august uh, body. So there's some breaking news out of Washington uh, about Mitch McConnell. Uh, and uh, in case you haven't heard, we announced earlier today, so I um, say it again at the top of this hour, how humbled we are. Uh, uh, to uh, announce earlier today that we've expanded syndication of this program. So I've been at this a long time in my career, but in this iteration, the Tavis Smiley syndicated radio program, uh, we've only been uh, at this for about six months now in syndication. My home station, KBLA Talk 1580, uh, has been around for almost three years. But uh, about six months ago, we uh, launched into syndication. And we are pleased to announce today that we are expanding the reach of this program. We welcome and thank WHCR 90.3 FM in New York City. We have cracked the Big Apple, and I couldn't be happier about that. Uh, we thank WHCR for carrying us uh, in um, in New York. We want to thank WOL 1480 AM in the nation's capital for carrying this program. A quick aside, um, years ago when my career was just getting started, the very first radio program, the very first talk show that I ever appeared on was hosted by a woman named Kathy Hughes. You know Kathy Hughes as the founder of uh, Urban One, Radio One, TV One. Her son Alfred now runs the company. But Kathy Hughes was the owner of WOL. Um, if you saw the movie uh, uh, with uh, uh, Don Cheadle, uh, the, the talk movie, you know the story, the backstory of WOL. Uh, the very first interview I ever did uh, on talk radio was being invited for my first book on Kathy Hughes' program in D.C. on WOL 14.50 a.m. So you cannot imagine my delight uh, that we can announce today that this program all these years later, is now being heard on WOL, 14.50 a.m. in the nation's capital. We also welcome and thank WNOV, 8.60 a.m. in Milwaukee. Uh, Al Jarreau, uh, Eric Benet, some great folk from Milwaukee. Uh, and we thank WNOV, 8.60 a.m. for carrying us in Milwaukee. And KJMC, 89.3 in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, so, yes, there are some black folk in Iowa <laughs> and some others who will be hearing a black man named Tavis Smiley now in Iowa. Uh, and so we thank those stations that we can announce today. There are others being announced in a couple more days. Uh, but it's a big deal to be in syndication for less than six months and now have cracked the top three markets in this country, New York, 
Los Angeles, Chicago. Uh, of course, we heard in Philadelphia and New Orleans and other places around the nation. But we thank again uh, New York City and Washington, D.C., Milwaukee and Des Moines for adding the Tabby Smiley program to their roster. It means a great deal to me. And I am humbled, humbled, humbled by that reality. Um, our guest in this hour is uh, Makad Brooks, who plays NYPD Detective Jalen Shaw on Law and Order. Uh, he's taking a break from his busy post-strike shooting schedule and joins us for the rest of this hour to talk about the show, uh, his life, his career. Uh, I look forward to our dialogue when we come forward. We'll commence our conversation with Makad Brooks of NYPD Detective fame, uh, playing the character Jalen Shaw on that great show, Law and Order. Stay with us. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. What is dedication? More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Makad Brooks, who plays NYPD Detective Jalen Shaw on Law and Order. Makad, how are you today, sir? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Travis. Man, it's my How delight. Are you? I, man, I'm I'm doing well. If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing quite well, and uh, d- delighted to have you on uh, in this conversation <laughs> for the hour. Let me let me start with the obvious. Um, uh, as I said earlier, when we hear that theme music, everybody knows what time it is. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have, true. yeah, it is. And you are you are fortunate. You are blessed. Pick your own word to be a part of this franchise. What is it like to be a part of the franchise? Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm honored. I'm humbled. I'm um, I'm beside myself, and, and at the same time, it, I, I understand it's a very unique position to be in, and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So, I, 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 I like to think that I balance those two worlds really well. You know, I'm excited. I'm humbled. I'm honored, but also I understand that this is a job that uh, we have the opportunity to to initiate a lot of different conversations. Uh, around the, 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 the dinner table with families across the country. And so, you know, I, I take it really seriously. Yep. When you step into a franchise that is as long running as law and order, what's, what's that like on the first few days when they've been around for a long time and then you show up, what take, take, take me, take me back to that moment. Well, so, so this is the, in some ways, the second and or maybe even third iteration of of, of the same show. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as you, as you probably know, it was on from 1990 to 2011. Sure. And then it took a 10-year hiatus, and then I came on. This is my second season. And so me coming on, I was the new guy with a bunch of other new people. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was – last last season, I was the newest guy. Yeah. And this season, I'm not the newest guy. So – uh, we, I, I don't think that we, because, because of the machine, because, because, because law and order is such a mechanism and Dick Wolf, um, ha, has had so much uninterrupted success. Um, and that, that's indivisible from, you know, the writers, the producers, there's a whole universe that they have that, that, that allows these shows to, to have these type of legs. And so when you get plugged into the machine, you, you know, you focus on what it is you bring to the table. And uh, the machine does what it does. So it's just, it's just once again, it's just an honor to be a part of it. Yep. I had on this program yesterday um, uh, a guest, uh, uh, 
Um, who was our guest that third out yesterday, Miles? I'm blanking on Marshall Warfield. Marshall Warfield was our guest yesterday. I knew somebody I talked to somebody yesterday. Marsh was on yesterday. Uh, just <laughs> iconic. When you do three hours a day every day, it, you you lose sight of stuff. But uh, yeah. anyway, well, c- c- congratulations. Congratulations on that, on your syndication, everything. Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, Marsha was here yesterday. We had a great, we had a great, great conversation, and uh, she was on in part because, uh, as this audience now knows, given that uh, amazing conversation with her yesterday, she, of course, was on Night Court when it started way back in the day in the eighties mm-hmm. uh, on NBC. This is back, mm-hmm. that's back during the, the Cosby era and Cheers. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marsha, you know, uh, uh, played Roz, the, the bailiff, of course. Uh, on Night Court back in the day. Mm-hmm. Night Court runs for a number of successful seasons, goes away, and then decades later, fast forward, Night Court is back on television, and it's they back. call they call Marsha, and she's back on the show. So it, it's an it's an amazing <laughs> journey, and we had, we had a lot of fun talking about that yesterday, yeah. which leads me to, to 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 ask this of you. Of course, you weren't there when Law and Order mm-hmm. first started, but what do you make of the fact that a show that uh, that that a show can be so iconic? That it has this long run, it disappears for a decade, and it comes back, mm-hmm. and it's successful all over again. I mean, it's a testament, no question about it. A testament to Dick Wolf. I mean, I, I mean, I love that guy. I mean, he he is an amazing, he's amazing guy. But he, he's he's incredible. Yeah, but 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 what do you make of that? That a show can be gone for ten years, come back, and be a hit all over again. I, I mean, I think it speaks to two things. It, it, it does speak to, it's a testament to Dick Wolf, and, and, and he, he runs his company like a family. It's, it's a very small company. So it's a testament to him and, and what I call the, the, the Wolf family, the Wolf tribe. So it's a testament to how well they run shows. It's a testament to how well they're able to blend the creativity with the business acumen. And at the same time, it speaks to what the audience wants. The audience wants this this familiarity of of of, of um, seeing something that they they know they know the structure, they know the framework, but this new iteration is more vulnerable. It's more sensitive. It's more compassionate. And I think that you know America needs to have some of these conversations that that Law and Order initiates within families and, and communities. Yeah. And I think that it, it's a testament to the fact that. We're starved for these conversations. Like we're, we're, we're starved for to, to, to try to find new solutions to old problems. And I think this generation and this iteration is doing that. Yeah. Um, let me just say this to you. Um, when I think of cops, uh, when I think mm-hmm. most Americans, certainly black folk, when we think of cops, and I'm going to get to your past uh, in a moment about your interaction with police. But when we think of cops, we don't think about those words, vulnerable uh, sensitive and compassionate, um, but you, you did a nice job of, of, of weaving those words in. But again, to 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 to, to my point, that ain't what we think when we think about cops on the street, much less in a TV series. Vulnerable, <laughs> sensitive, and compassionate, Macad yeah. Brooks. That's that's very true, and 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 that's that's why I think that we have a responsibility to um, to show that vulnerability, to show that compassion, to show that sensitivity, to, sh- to show that cultural sensitivity that a lot of cops do have that we don't see. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, I, 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 think, I think the thing is, you know, you and I both know this. Black America is, we're not against police. We're against police brutality. Sure. Right? Like, we, we, we have nothing against police. We have something against the bad apples and the, and the police who conduct themselves in ways that are unbefitting to our character and their character. And we have a police detective, a consultant on the show, uh, Wendell Strasser. And he was a police detective for 38 years six months and 10 days. I know that because he tells me all the time. <laughs> and this, this is one of the most sensitive 
compassionate, caring men, men, uh, men I've ever met in my life. And he's seen it all, done it all. And, uh, he's, he's, he spent so many years in the force correcting, uh, um, that image that we have where like these cops are supposed to be these superheroes. They're heroes. They're not superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know, they can get a lot of it right. And it's, it's that, it's that small percentage of them who are, who are acting out that gives them all a bad name. And now, now that I've had to look, you know, uh, at the world through a law enforcement lens in some ways in the last two years, I started to see a different side of that and how there, there are moments in which, well, the thing is this, we have, police officers doing jobs that they really shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have people stopping people in traffic violations with who have guns in their hips. And that, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. We have people uh, showing up to mental health checks who are not uh, trained in this, in this, in this type of situation in which we, we need social workers in this situation. We don't need people who are, uh, who just came from, you know, uh, six or seven other calls that were that were really horrible and then they, they, they bring that to the job. Like these people once again, they're not superheroes, they're not machines, they're human beings. Yeah. And um and, and we and black people we're very sensible. You know, we call the police when we need to and, and we're against police brutality. And that's that's that. Do you feel um I wanna frame this the right way, do you feel a particular mm-hmm. responsibility or sense of something that you do play um, a black cop mm-hmm. on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I do. I do. Uh, mainly because I, I saw a report uh, that John Oliver did, I don't know, maybe it was a year and a half ago when I first started the job. And there was something alarming in that report that was about the fact that the overwhelming majority of people who are now detectives and police officers all kind of grew up on law and order and watched that show and it influenced their life choices to become a police officer mm. and, and, and law enforcement or, or, or crime solver. Cause there's a, there's a difference between uh, the anti-crime guys and crime solvers, right? Sure, sure, so there's sure. a difference between a detective detective and a patrolman. Sure. And there's different reasons why people get into those situations. Um, so, but, but what I found surprising was that there were so many people who used law and order more or less as as a as a uh, a place of inspiration or a place where they 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 were inspired to make certain life choices. And so, what I want to do, what I feel like my responsibility is in this position, is to show people uh, a compassionate, vulnerable, uh, culturally sensitive uh, a detective who is the is the last bastion of hope for a grieving family. Before they send that, before they send their 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 loved one off to God, right? So mm-hmm. he is that he is that Anubis, right? He is that he is that 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 uh, that guardian of the gate, and I think that you know what I've been able to see um, just by working with Wendell, uh, our police consultant, and, and, and working with with uh, some of his stories and 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 shoulder to shoulder with him is that the part that they don't tell is what these guys have to go through on a daily basis just to keep it together. Yeah. And so what I, what I want, what I want for the next generation's police officers, the next generation's detectives who are watching this show, and then maybe they're 15 years old right now, is that when they see Detective Jalen Shaw and they see Detective Vincent Riley, they see two good guys that they can, they can uh, uh, relate to. They see guys that, that they, they, they may know us as an uncle or a cousin. Yeah. And they say, well, these guys are good. These are, these are good guys. They're, yeah. they're not roughing up suspects for no reason. 
They're not they're not yelling at people for no reason. They're 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 they're, they're not acting with these testosterone fueled interactions and and they they are they are respectable men and so yes I feel like we have a responsibility particularly I do yeah this this will be a great question for Dick Wolf but Dick Wolf ain't here right now uh, Makad Brooks is so I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you, I'll ask it of Makad Brooks which is as an actor um, playing this character mm-hmm. um, Jalen Shaw on Law and Order NYPD detective um, why why do you think I, I mean you're an actor but you're also you're you know you're you're a fellow citizen as well so you you're you love art like mm-hmm. all the rest of us love art. Why do you think that Absolutely. so many fellow citizens, why are Americans so drawn, so caught up with these police procedurals? What is it about these proce- these police procedures that we just can't get enough of all day, every day on channels everywhere across the country? I, you, you, you know what it, what it is? I, I sincerely believe it's because because not, not only am I in the business, but I'm also a fan of, of police procedurals and I always have been. I grew up on them as well. Right. Um, it's because it's a world that we think we know, but it's a world we know nothing about. Mm. And so, and to shatter the illusions uh, and, and to shed light on the process of it, the framework, how do these police go about it? You know, what do they carry home? Um, you know, one thing I like about this season is that it's, it's not just procedural where, you know, it's, it's as if these characters are reborn every week. We're carrying stuff over from last season. Mm-hmm. We're carrying stuff over from two episodes ago, and and you see it, you see it weighing heavy on Shaw, and it's 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 taking its toll on him, whether that's racial trauma or or racial profiling or uh, something that he felt uh, he had to do as a duty, but felt against um, what he wanted to do to help a brother out. Um, and also, I think that the other thing is that that that, that makes it so enticing for people for the audience is that in these police procedurals. Unfortunately, in this country, we have a very violent country and, and a lot of access to weapons. This could happen to you. Yeah. This could happen to someone you know, right? And so a lot of people, they're not, you know, six or seven degrees removed from this. They're, they're one, two, three degrees removed from, from some sort of violent act, removing a loved one from, from, the, from the face of the earth. And there's, there's a bit of a communal experiential um, uh consuming going on there, right? Like there's a, there's a, somebody else understands. There's millions of other people watching this and, and, and also taking it in and, and they're having the feelings that they're going through. And then, you know, my family went through this and this family went through this and, 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 and now I get it. Now I understand it. Yeah. And, and, and it creates, it creates a sort of a communal sensitivity, I believe, yeah. uh, uh, which, 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 which can, which, you know, can, can help shape, you know, uh, our society. And so I, I think it's bigger than a TV show. I think it's, I think it speaks to, who we are as a country in some ways. Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't see him often uh, these days, but every time I run into Ice-T, I always laugh mm-hmm. and tease him. He's used to it now. Uh, we always get a good he's laugh. The cool, he's the coolest guy in the, coolest guy in the planet. <laughs> he, is, he, is a cool, he is a cool cat. He's a cool cat. He really every, every time I see Ice, I, I, I say to him, I said, man, uh, you know, Don King made that line famous. Only in America. That's Don King's line, right? The great boxing promoter. Mm-hmm. Only in America. And I tell Ice T only in America could a Negro who did a song called "Cop Killer" (laughs) (laughs) end up end up for years playing a cop on television. I said only in America Mm -hmm. this Negro did a song Mm -hmm. called "Cop Killer." 
And he ends I know. up. He, I, I was I was in I was in school when it came out. Yeah, and, like, it was a whole thing. He ends up being George a, Bush was talking about him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He ends up being an actor and he plays yeah. a cop on television. So we get a good laugh out of that all the yeah. time. Uh, what's not so yeah. funny? What's not so funny is that you play a cop, uh, Jalen Shaw, again on Law and Order. You play a cop on television, but you have a real life experience with cops when you were a kid. Uh, I wonder if you might tell me that story. Uh, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Oh man, yeah. So I, I, I was eight years old, and I was um, I was uh, with, I was playing hide and go seek with um, some of my uh, my cousin and my brother, my cousins and my brother, and we were out in Kerrville, Texas, and uh, we were we were staying at this lodge, and we were going to go see some uh, some animals at the, uh, at the at the nature reserve the next day, mm-hmm. and so the street lights started to come on. And uh, you know, I, I, my, my cousins and my brother and I like we we, we took we took hide and go seek real seriously, right? <laughs> like there was there was nothing going on, <laughs> nothing else going on in the world, you know. Like it was just like you know, as long as you found some a place that that a bigger kid could not get into, you you, you were free from from the repercussions of of being found out. And um, you know, we 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 it was like a CIA mission in in, in our in our young minds, and, mm. and uh, I, I guess in some ways, it, you know, we were experts in that because my cousin Grover didn't find us, the, the police did. Mm. And um, I remember the flashlights and the sirens and the uh, and, and the lights and everything, and and then these uh, two, you know, very uh, southern fried chicken officers, uh, <laughs> you know, telling us to come come out of the bushes, right, and. Um, we we did, and they started asking us questions that we didn't have the answers to, and uh, I don't think any eight year old would have these answers. Um, and they kept telling us that there's been some break ins in the parking lot, and and we fit the, we fit the description. And so um, we didn't know what to say. And then one officer uh, took it upon himself to handcuff me and, and slam me against the wall. Um, and um, yeah. And so pushed my head up against the wall. And, and I just remember thinking like, you know, my family always said I had a great head, you know, I just hope he didn't squish it, <laughs> you know? And, 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 uh, and the cuffs were too big. So, uh, they, they fell to the ground with a, with a heavy thud. And, uh, he, he said I was too small for him. So what they did was they ended up cuffing me, cuffing my, my, my arms together at the forearms. And, uh, you know, my, my older cousin, he was probably 12 years old. They put him in the car. Um, my brother was probably nine or 10 at the time. And, and, you know, he was, he was very level-headed for, for, for a nine or 10 year old at the time. And and he just kept saying, kept repeating, you know, going into our training after the talk, right. Um, which was, we need to see our parents. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. We need to see our parents is what your brother said. Um, this is a, a, an arresting story um, for an eight-year-old kid who now plays a cop on television. His name is Makad Brooks. He plays NYPD Detective Jalen Shaw on Law & Order. The rest of this story when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like freedom. Helping to, make, to you make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Please, don't move. I can move while I want to move. Hey, hey, drop the attitude. We just want to talk to you, all right? 
Knife! Hey, hey! You gotta stop moving and put that knife down for your safety and ours. You understand what I'm saying? Stop moving and put down that knife. I didn't do nothing, so I ain't dropping nothing. Drop that knife or I will shoot you. Hey, Vince, stand down. Nobody needs to get shot tonight, right? Just put the knife down. Put down that knife or I will shoot you. Take him down to two seven. Hey, man. Don't ever do that again. Do what again? Play the hero like that? On my tab? No. Makad Brooks is our guest in this hour. He plays NYPD Detective Jalen Shaw on the long-running hit show Law & Order. Uh, he, uh, as you heard in that clip, uh, as uh, Detective uh, Jalen Shaw, is uh, uh, seen uh, weekly arresting suspects. As a detective, he's arresting suspects. But he was telling us the story of being an eight-year-old boy in Texas. Uh, Real-life story of being eight years old in Texas, playing hide-and-go-seek with his cousins and with his brother. Uh, and um, the story turns in a uh, not-so-nice direction. So when we last left you, Makad Brooks, you were telling us that they put the handcuffs on you. The handcuffs were too big for your small frame. The handcuffs fall to the ground with a thud. And then they do what? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Um, my brother was uh, was extremely level headed for a ten year old at the time, and um, kept kept repeating, you know, the the, the the training that we all receive as Black Americans from our from our parents, which is you know to make it home safely. Mm-hmm. And um, one of you know, which is which is you know commonly known in our communities as the talk mm-hmm. um, that you know, and so we 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 had had that talk. Not extensively and, and not um, not often because I was eight, right? You know, I, I, it, it, the, the threat for us came a little earlier than, than most people, um, and so my brother just went into our training and kept stating that our parents were on the premises and we, we needed to see our parents. And our parents were actually looking for us because we should have been home at that point in time. Right? Mm-hmm. Should have been back in our rooms. And so the uh, the cops. Uh, they the, uh, they they perp walked us through the lobby. So this was the first time I, I understood what what uh, a healthy dose of side I was mm. from from the uh, from the, uh, the, the 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 patrons of of, of the lodge. Mm-hmm. And even though I was one, it didn't didn't appear so at the time. Um, so we we get back to our parents' room, and my mom is uh, who, who actually I, you've met. She's a she's a reporter, a journalist in Austin, Texas, and she interviewed you for the Texas book convention that's 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 uh, your, I'll, that, I'll, that's your mother alberta phillips Metzo. That's my oh mother. lord jesus <laughs> yeah <laughs> small and, world and, and she, very small world. she actually wants she would kill me if i didn't tell you that she has her own radio show local and a local black station in austin texas on public policy and would love to interview you too so maybe, maybe we can make that happen as well <laughs> we we will um, we, we will we, we will make that happen i i uh i obviously in the course of my uh, over the course of my career with what 23 24 books i've appeared at book festivals everywhere uh-huh. but one of my mm-hmm. favorite I, I have my list of my three favorite book festivals and that texas book festival uh, in Austin, it, it is an amazing book festival. As a matter of fact, the last time I was there, last time I was there, when I talked to your mother, that's how long ago it was, last time I was there, Barack Obama and I were both there together. I mean, he had his book out. Mm-hmm. I had my book out. Right. 
and he and I ended up, you know, sure. a, appearing together and signing books next to each other. Of course, his line was a whole lot longer than mine, but the two of us were. I don't see why. I don't see why. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we, we appeared together at that Texas book festival. So you please give your mother my regards, and I, we, we, we'll talk offline. I'll, I'll make it happen. I'll, I'll be a guest on their program anytime she wants. Uh, but give her my love, give her my regards, I, and, and finish your story. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I certainly appreciate that. I will. And so, yeah, so she's a journalist, and my father, my stepfather, is Gary Bledsoe. Who I think you know as well. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so he's sitting there and he's, uh, I don't remember if he was assistant attorney general at the time or on his way to being it. And uh, my mother just, just kind of dropped that bomb on him. You know, she, she, she's, she's a New Yorker. She's not used to kowtowing to, to, you know, to Southern sociology. And she just said, listen, if you don't get those cuffs off my baby right now, I'm, I'm going to write a scathing article and he's an attorney and he's going to have your asses. Mm. And so, it was because of the educational privilege that my parents had that got us out of that situation. But that, that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. And so at that point in time, you know, my, my, my mother pulled us over to the bed and she said, are you okay? And, and I nodded. And, but, I, but that nod wasn't sufficient for, 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 for the damage that these men had taken, you know, all of 30 minutes to, to inflict upon, you know, my, my entire psyche. Mm -hmm. And this was the, my, the first moment I understood but I could later put words to uh, with, with, with years of, of therapy and, and, and racial literacy, which is my first inkling of racial trauma. You know, mm -hmm. the, it's the psychological and physical stress that follows the experience of racial discrimination or, or, or racism in and of itself. Yeah. And I saw my mother's posture for the first time, and I hadn't seen that posture before, but, but, but now I know it. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with that posture, and it's, it's, that, it's that societal disappointment. Mm -hmm. not, 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 not disappointment in the person or a, or a subject or a thing, but disappointment in a structure and a system that is hell-bent on keeping you oppressed. Mm. And it was the first time I saw that curvature in my mother's back, but it wasn't the last time I saw it on, on, the, on, the, on millions of familiar faces of, 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 um, yeah. of people who, who, who've been through oppression and trauma and systemic oppression. And so, it, it, you know, it just, it just gave me the... It started me on a pathway of, of healing racial trauma in my own life. Yeah. The healing racial trauma in my family's life. And, you know, because Travis, trauma, trauma's pain on layaway, mm, right? Mm, you know, you, mm, you, mm. You, you, pay, you pay the bill when you're emotionally solved, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when, when you get strong enough you, and you build that emotional bank account high enough and, and, and wide enough to, to, to pay what's been in the body for that long, it comes out in ways that, 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 we, that we don't expect. It comes out in migraines and panic attacks and depression and, and anxiety and insomnia. And, and these are all things that are caused by, by traumatic stress. But somehow when you put, you put the word racial in front of it, people go, oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And our ancestors, you know, they, 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 it was a survival mechanism for them to, um, you know, to, to, to be silent about the oppression. In some ways, you know, obviously they, 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 that's not that wasn't the overwhelming uh, uh, majority of people. But, you know, sure. a lot of people growing up in the South, they had they had to let a lot of things go mm. just to survive, just to survive. And so and then when it was the big things, they had they had to fight. They had to fight. And so we come from a generation where, you know, we, we have to tell the truth. We have to tell the truth with the base in our voice. Yeah. We, we have to tell the truth about code switching. We have to tell the truth about is, is respectab uh, respectability politics is that helpful. Yeah. We have to tell the truth about the fact that, you know, being a strong black man and being a strong black woman 
cannot be predicated on the fact that I have to uh, ignore and dismiss yeah. all the things that are wrong. Um, and we have to be honest about the fact that keeping our composure while we're in constant survival mode is maybe not the best way yeah. to, to, to nurture ourselves and raise our children. You are, um, speaking of raising our children, let me just say, um, as I um, process forward here, push us forward, that uh, you are, uh, you're part of a grand legacy. Um, you are blessed to have the two notable parents that you have. Uh, and uh, I'm just humbled uh, that I did not know those were your parents, but they are, they're amazing people, and you, uh, you're you part of a grand legacy, and you're continuing that, of course, in your own way as a thespian. Uh, I'm, 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 you said a lot just a moment ago, but I'm still stuck on this, that line you dropped. Uh, here, here, here comes McCod Brooks dropping bars. Trauma is pain on layaway. Trauma is pain on layaway. I've had three great hours today, but that is the quote of the day, that trauma, racial trauma, is pain on layaway. Let me breathe for a second, and we will continue this conversation when we come forward. Our guest uh, is McCod Brooks, who plays NYPD Detective Jalen Shaw on Law & Order, and I'm delighted to have him on Tavis Smiley. From the Merck Park with love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. What you support? May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Somebody get me a photographer. We got a celebrity sighting here. Nelson, what's up, brother? How you doing? Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> the hell are you doing here? Hope you're not looking for a job. We can't afford you. I've actually come with a story. So I met this local kid who said his mom is serving 10 years for petty theft. So I did some digging. And that prison in your backyard it seems to have a lot of people serving long sentences for small crimes. Yeah. People have bad luck, I guess. Bad luck? It's prison corruption, wouldn't you say? It's, um, it's complicated. Look, I wish I could help you, but... You can't help me, Nelson. That's why I'm here. Journalism's about fighting for the little guy. You taught me that. It's your job to point out corruption. So what the hell's going on here? Things have uh, changed for some people. Idealism doesn't feed a family. And this whole power of the press thing, it might work if you've got the backing of a media conglomerate and a certain girl with a cape. But around here, it doesn't mean anything. Standing up for what's right always means something. Nelson, that prison is stomping on the neck of this entire town. It's also the only thing that's keeping this town alive. Look, I'd love to see these bastards get what they deserve. But if I call them out, my advertisers, they pull their money, not only am I out of a job, but so are the 30 other people I employ. Go back to National City. It's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, that clip uh, could not be more timely, given that uh, McCod Brooks, our guest in this hour, who plays NYPD Detective Jalen Shaw on Law & Order, was just telling us uh, his mother, who I know, uh, is a journalist. And so here you hear this clip of him trying to convince a journalist to do his job. Uh, uh, his mother does her job quite well, and so I, I thought the timing of that was pretty amazing, McCod. Uh, I'm watching my time. It's getting away from me. Let me ask you right quick. I'm, I'm getting real tight on time here. Um, we are all the sum total of our life's experiences, and when you said to me in this audience that trauma is pain on layaway, I want to circle back to this right quick uh, because obviously all these years later, as successful as you are, you still hold on to this. You still remember it like it was yesterday. What is it like being perped walk as an 8-year-old? Mm. It, it's, it's an out-of-body experience. 
um, it, it's the cuffs are too heavy. The cuffs are, are they're, they're they're not meant for you. They're not designed for children. Once once those those looks are not meant for you. Those the, the, those judgmental stares are not meant for you. And so, I had nightmares. You know, as a child, I had um, a lot of things that I had to 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 understand. Uh, and, and, and I've, I've actually taken the time to, to speak to that child, you know, 30 years later and, and tell him, you know, listen, I, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be confused. What this country will do to you will never make sense, yeah. but, but you have to have perseverance and strength and you have to, um, be, be transcendent in your healing, you know, just justice is therapeutic. Yeah. So every time I see someone, uh, not get away with hurting a black body. I heal a little bit. Every time I see somebody who looks like Tavis Smiley get syndicated, I heal a little bit. Every time I see somebody who, who, who gets in the office and looks like me, I, you know, I heal a little bit. You know, justice is different for every community. Yeah. It has to be contextualized in that way. And so I think we're headed in the right direction. And so when I, when I, when I got law and order, yeah. frankly, that was, thera- that was therapeutic for me. No, I, <laughs> right? no. that, was he- that was healing for me, right? And so... I, I like to think that, that that God has my back and the universe has my back in that. No, those two things go together. They go together. Your two phrases, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm holding on to both of them the rest of the day, that racial trauma for our people, racial trauma is pain on layaway, but justice is therapeutic. Justice is therapeutic. I'm going to quote my friend Cornel West, who says all the time that justice is what love looks like in public. Justice is what love looks like in public. Our remaining moments with the fine thespian Makad Brooks uh, when we come forward on Tabs Smart. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically blind. You're tapped into Tabs Smart. Tab smiley. smiley. If you're like me, 16. 16- Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tabs Smiley. smiley. I've got just um, I've got just two minutes left in this conversation with Makad Brooks, who I that I've enjoyed immensely. He plays NYPD detective Jalen Shaw on the hit show Law and Order. In the two minutes I have left, which I will yield to you, Mr. Brooks, um, what what what's this uh, what's this career all about for you? Uh, in uh, uh, as an actor, we we see what you're doing with it, but what's the what's the what's the, what's the big plan? Yeah, well, thank thank you for asking, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. I really enjoyed this conversation myself. Um, so it's such an honor. I've been watching you and listening to you my whole life. Um, and so for me, my, my career really changed when I, when I aligned my values uh, and my principles and my virtues with what I chose to do. Yes. And, and so it, it's not only when I succeed, it's my ancestors are succeeding. When I succeed, my family is succeeding. When I succeed, people who, who um, never got a fair chance I believe they're succeeding through me. And so I think that my success in, in the most humble way possible mm-hmm. is, is I, I have geared that to be aligned with the success of our community as well. Like, so, and, and for me, once again, back to, back to what we're talking about, that's healing, right? Most of us think about healing as, as healing something that's already happened to us in the past. And black people have to do that multidimensionally because we're healing racial trauma that happened to us in the past in the midst and in the framework of systemic oppression. And that's the most radical thing somebody can do is to heal something that's still happening to you. And so I've chosen to dedicate my career to that. It's just show that we can heal in the belly of the beast. Mm. And um, I I choose my characters based on that. Mm. 
Brother, you are doing the Lord's work, uh, and you are. You are <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing what I can. I'm doing what I can. Nah, brother, you doing you doing that and then some, uh, and you're doing it. Uh, you're doing it quite nicely. His name is Makad Brooks. He plays NYPD Detective Jalen Shaw on Law and Order. Uh, Makad, stick on the line one second. Miles, my board op is going to give you my number to give to your mama, uh, so I can. Uh, okay. So I can. Uh, <laughs> Thank I can, you. No, I, I will keep my word, man. I want to honor your your, your rich legacy uh, of which you are uh, a grand part. Uh, doing your thing as a as a brilliant thespian. So thank you for coming on the program. I enjoyed the conversation immensely. Thank you for listening uh, to this uh, edition of Tavis Smiley. Lord willing, we are back here tomorrow to do it all over again. Until then, thanks for tuning in to this program. And as always, you keep the faith.